and you don't know where the athletic department is, that's probably the first place you need to start in your city or where you live. And if you're not in a school with a university, chances are you have some sort of entity in that city that runs some type of events, youth events, civic events, church events that are sports centric. You can go there. Those events just don't happen. They just people don't just show up at a field and they play an event. There are some operations that happens behind that and you can get involved with that. And yes, it's gonna start in many cases in volunteer and volunteering turns into, you know, getting a little gear to work, maybe getting a little bit of a stipend, maybe getting paid, maybe getting put on 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 payroll. My name is Dr. Mark Williams. Welcome to my masterclass. I have a PhD in education from West Virginia University. I have a master's in sport management and an MBA from the University of Massachusetts. I even have an undergraduate degree in sociology from William Patterson University. And currently, I'm the global scholar practitioner at HBCU, Florida Memorial University. But I'll also work for three of the largest sports brands in the world, Reebok, Champ Sports, and Foot Action, but I can't go anywhere without my Jordan 1s. Join me and my guests as we explore their rise to the top through adversity and challenges. It's time to help you find a hero in you. Welcome to my masterclass. Good day, good people. You're listening to Dr. Mark's Masterclass Podcast. Welcome to another show, my third show in the last three months because I've not done a show since my mother passed. Many of you know she had lupus, cancer, and diabetes. Mom was a warrior, and this thing called COVID, two weeks in, my mom's no longer here, and so that's why this thing is so important. But today on the show, I had to take it off because I'm socially distanced with my amazing guest here. I've known this man for a long time, but I just want to encourage you to practice social distancing, wear the mask, and even those of you who have not gotten vaccinated, you know, I know it's your choice, but I really would like to see us protect each other. I will admit, I did not get the vaccination until my mother was diagnosed with, with COVID and I got Moderna and I did it and I'm, I'm now fully vaccinated. I've not been sick, thank goodness. But there's so many people, over 800,000 people in America have lost their lives to this. It's very serious. And so even though the show's not about that, I, I'm making it about that to make sure that you're practicing social distancing and that you're saving. But today we have a very important and special guest. All our guests are important and special, but today is very special for me because this is a man that I know for a long time and admire. As you know, we're listening to MAP Esports Network, powered by Innovation Media enterprises Aaron and Sia I pray you get better quickly my my fearless producers I've got my man Gage on the wheel to steal my sound engineer thank you so much for all you do and this cannot be this cannot have happened for wasn't for our fearless leader our CEO the man that made it happen the RZA the head Jacob Miles, thank you, brother, for giving me this wonderful opportunity. But today we have brother Scotty Rogers. Scotty is one of the best sports communications directors in America. I will say, I would even venture off and say the world. 27 years he's been doing this, okay? Currently, he's the director of communications at Goodyear Cotton Bowl Classic. Many of you know the Cotton Bowl. He was a former associate commissioner of strategic communications for the Sunbelt Conference. He was a former associate director of athletics for strategic communications at Tulane University. He also was the associate executive director of communications and external relations, long title for the Ivy League. Yeah, you know Ivy League, Princeton, Cornell, Dartmouth, you know, Harvard, Harvard, I'm sorry, Harvard. And who also was the former senior director of university relations for cbs interactive i can go on and on about this brother scotty rogers brother what's up man how are you man glad to be here 
Yes, man. I'm I'm digging the the Cotton Bowl swag you got there, the vest joint you got on. I'm just I'm so proud of you, man. Thanks, man. It's good to be here. Proud of you with everything that you're doing. You're just changing the world with what you're doing, with all the different things that you're bringing to the table. And I know you're going to do and continue to do great things at Jarvis Christian. Thank you. Thank you. Shameless puck for Jarvis Christian here. You know, got to give a shout to President Newman and Dr. Pruitt, uh, the fearless provost there. And of course, I've got to drink my tea here. I got my sister from Taiwan, my girl, my baby here, making sure I drink my tea all the time. And I just want to say, man, you know, we were in New Orleans yep. before the pandemic yep. and we got a chance to see this guy named Zion yep, we play. Did. That was the last home game before the pandemic. And we were, we were in a fourth, fifth row. Yeah. 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 Head yeah. coach. What happened to the head coach? Yeah, Alvin Gentry. He's oh. not there anymore. Oh man. Yeah, Alvin Gentry. Man, he was awesome. Man, we we were in the fourth or fifth row. We got there about fifteen minutes late. You know, you know, we you know how we do. We got there fashionably late. And and I got to give a shout out to my man Ron Adams, associate coach, head coach at uh, Golden State Warriors with Steve Kerr, Mike Brown up in there. So that's how the introduction was made. My good friend uh, Ron Brown, you know, uh, Ron Adams made the introduction and made sure that we got a chance to go to the game. And then he was supposed to be coaching the game, and he's looking up in the crowd waiting for me to come. Mm-hmm. And the minute that he saw us there, he waved to us. I mean, what 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 NBA coach does that? That's what we do. And got a chance to see Zion play. It was amazing. And then we didn't get a chance to see him play anymore. But other than the bubble, he was yeah, in a bubble after that. Absolutely. Right? So, man, and I'm just grateful to you as a, as a friend. I appreciate all your support. And you're down here in Dallas at the Cotton Bowl. What is that like? You're the first African-American executive in the history of the Cotton Bowl. How many years has the Cotton Bowl been in existence? Well, the game started in 1937. So wow. now over time, you know, the, the staff has grown. Yeah, that math. This is our 86 Cotton Bowl okay, coming up. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Uh, coming <laughs> up this year and uh, on, on New Year's Eve is our 86. So, you know, obviously they didn't have the staff that they have now. But over time, but, you know, if you talk about more modern day history, when they really created the Cotton Bowl Athletic Association, which is really the staff that runs the Goodyear Cotton Bowl Classic, you know, I am the first person of color to have a full-time position with the organization and you know that sounds weird to say out loud it but you know I've had a long relationship with this organization you know I didn't just show up and get this job with the Cotton Bowl this is you know I, I had probably the longest we joke about it I had the longest uh, interview that anybody had I've had a 21 year interview because I worked 21 <laughs> Cotton Bowls before I got an opportunity when the a person Charlie Fisk was uh, looking to step back from his role from VP of Communications and uh, he moved into a historian role to step back and they had the the director's position open for communications and I was the person that they looked at and I was a natural fit because I had been around for 21 years and I had seen the inner workings of the game and I have have a passion for the game and a love for the organization and all the different things that they do and I've learned so much about what we do since I started back in August so it all just matched up you know the pandemic has been very crazy and very weird but I've also got the job that I've been ultimately wanting and moved to a city that uh, I have a lot of love for I've been a Dallas Cowboys fan since I was six years old so uh, born and raised in Alabama you live here you gotta represent you you gotta represent and now every day I get to walk into the stadium that they play their games in so you know and you know it's just been amazing from that standpoint 
Yeah, so we got to give a shout out to Michael and Marty. Michael, I got a chance to meet. You're one of your the chief marketing officer, Michael Camrati. He's truly amazing, a legend in the industry. And then Marty, uh, you introduced me to Marty actually too. Yeah. So the, the shout out to the Cotton Bowl crew over there, all the amazing people there. But one thing that I like, I think a lot of you missed what he said was he was working in industry for a long time. He volunteered for 21 years, okay? He didn't get paid, okay? So a lot of people out there don't understand the value of hard work and volunteering and thinking they, they have to get something out of it. But you were doing that out of the love for football and just the people that you met at the Cotton Bowl, not even thinking that you're going to get a job there 21 years later, right? Not really. I, I started when I was working in my first job out of college. which was at the Southeastern Conference office in Birmingham. You know, at the time I had moved over, I started there as an intern, had moved into a couple of positions, and I was working with men's basketball, which is obviously huge. But I knew early in the business that you got to always keep your hand on football, especially in college athletics, if you're going to grow and, and continue to be at the, consider at the, the higher levels of the business. So I, I had met Charlie previously and through our national convention and just went to my folks at the at the SEC office at the time and said, hey, can I go, you know, I don't want to be the, the person from the conference office that just goes and attends and goes to the party. I wanted to go work the game. They, they allowed me to do that, and I did that. And then as I moved jobs throughout uh, my career, I always let people know that, hey, you know, this week, in December, I'm going to be gone because I'm going to go uh, work the Cotton Bowl. And, you know, I never really got any true pushback on that. I had a couple of people, a couple of my bosses over the jobs that I had was actually enthusiastic about it because, like, hey, you can take our brand, you know, and put it in a space that it wouldn't normally be in. So I thought that was really important. And it's a lot of fun. But I've been able to do that with a lot of events. I've been fortunate enough to work Kentucky Derbies, Final Fours, CFP National Championships. You know, it's just been a it's been a unique experience especially for a, for a small town guy from Alabama. Speaking of Alabama, I mean, you 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 went you you attended the school where the great Nick Saban coaches. What was that like going to college at Alabama? It was uh it was a very unique experience, you know, at the time that I went to school there. My sophomore year was the it was 1992 which was the year Alabama won a national championship, um, beat Miami in the Sugar Bowl. It was the first year of the SEC football championship game. It was the first time a team had gone 13 and 0 because they hadn't had, you know, hadn't had a conference championship game to play in. So it was really a really unique experience, and that was my first year working in the athletic department as a student. So I got to be on the field for the last eight minutes of that game. You know, I was just there working on behalf of the athletic department, just doing whatever it took. Mm-hmm. You know, I was 19 years old, so I would whatever. You give me a I'm going to be there. I stood in the press box during the game and got to be on the field in the game. It was really that game, and it was a really a similar moment for me that made me realize that I wanted to work in sports, and it just dug in from there. I spent three years as an undergrad at Alabama working in the athletic department. Found my, my senior year, you know, we brought women's soccer back as a varsity sport, and I was the first uh, communications uh, director for the for the soccer team. And then it really that experience combined with all the other experiences I was able to have as an undergraduate gave me an opportunity to apply for and get the internship at the SEC. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, tell us about that because a lot of students right now they probably. Uh, are not familiar with how to go about getting an internship and you worked there for three years. You didn't know they were going to win a national title, but you stayed there and stuck with it. What was that experience like and what kind of advice would you give to a young person today if they want to get into sports and they're at a university? Well, many of them, they they look at Goodyear Cotton Bowl Classics, Super Bowls, Final Fours, national championships, and they want to reach out to those folks and want to volunteer for those events. 
but yet won't walk across campus and go to the athletic department at Alabama at Jarvis Christian and say, hey, can I volunteer to work a track meet, a baseball game, a football game? You know, you got to start right there, right around you. You know, a lot of times, a lot of people start in sports. doesn't start with working the biggest event. You got to start working with, you know, with what's right around you. So I would tell a student that's sitting on the campus right now, if you don't know who the AD is, the athletic director, you don't know where the athletic department is, that's probably the first place you need to start in your city or where you live. And if you're not in a school with a university, chances are you have some sort of entity in that city that runs some type of events, youth events, civic events, church events that are sports centric. You can go there. Those events just don't happen. They just people don't just show up at a field and they play an event. There are some operations that happens behind that and you can get involved with that. And yes, it's going to start in many cases in volunteer and volunteering turns into, you know, getting a little gear to work, maybe getting a little bit of a stipend, maybe getting paid, maybe getting put on 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 payroll and ultimately moving up the ranks and then and learning and getting to it. And once you get into business sports, just like a lot of professions, is a very, very small circle, especially in college athletics. You know, there's it's two degrees of separation. I can tell you, you know, there's not a lot of people that I don't know or can't get connected to in college athletics, you know, luckily from being around as long as I've been around. So to 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 the young folks that are out there, I'm talking to the young folks that are out there. I'm talking to you. I'm talking to you. Make sure that you 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 look at what's right in front of you. Don't worry about I want to work for an NFL team. You're not going to work for an NFL team in the next week, in the next month, in the next year. You got to learn how to work events. You know, I've been fortunate enough in my career. I've been around every sport. I've been around squash and lacrosse and rowing and fencing and track and baseball and softball and volleyball and and many many more before i got an opportunity to be a involved new year six bowl game and this year we're hosting we're a, a college football playoff semifinal game so we're going to have one or two of the top four teams in the country mm. you know that just doesn't happen you have to go out and, and learn about the business and learn about the ins and outs because there's so many aspects to sports too. You know, it's just I, I've my career has been built on the communication side. You can be an athletic trainer. You can grow up on the business side. You can grow up, and now social media is a big thing. Social media analytics is a big thing. Graphics development, raising money. You know, operations, mm-hmm. games management, fi- financial. And the business side, there's so many different aspects of working in sports, both on the college level and the pro level and the international level. So you got to find that that area in sports that matches your skill set or your interest. And you can go do that. You mentioned marketing. What's up with that? What's up with that? Communications, marketing. Events. He didn't mention that. My two areas. He didn't mention that. I didn't mention did, events. Did, I'm just kidding. I just wanted to so, say that this guy. But marketing is another great area. And that area is growing right now because of what's happening right now with the creative side of the business, the digital side of the business. If you're not if you're not if you're a young person right now and you don't know what you do but you're good on your computer, I know this podcast is about esports. Mm-hmm. Many people that work in esports they're very good in cutting video. They're very good in designing, using various 
programs and platforms. Mm-hmm. You talked about Twitch. Mm-hmm. You know, not a lot of sports teams right now uh, have taken their content to Twitch yet. Nope. They're, 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 they're getting into TikTok. Mm-hmm. You know, they tried Snapchat and the Snapchat, no offense to Snapchat, but they've kind of faded off a little bit in the sports space. But now TikTok is where everybody's going. And the next place is going to be is Twitch. Mm-hmm. And whatever else is coming up, coming up out there, you know, I've gotten to know Twitch a little bit from the music side mm, more so yes. than the than the uh, esports side because you know, as you know, with Instagram and and the, and the rules that they have, you know, a lot of DJs, especially in the pandemic, when they couldn't DJ in the club and the bars and the places. D nice, what's up, D nice? D nice, yeah, Everybody ain't D nice. D nice had a special. He, you know, I've watched D nice hours upon hours upon hours on Instagram and he never got cut. There was a whole bunch of them that they play five songs and they're getting dropped off. The D Nice was the first one to do it to do it at the highest level. D Nice, if many of you don't know, was the DJ, uh famous DJ for KRS one back in the day. Uh D Nice and I go back twenty two years. That's my dog. So I'm not jumping on the bandwagon. I remember when he had two hundred thousand followers, now he's got uh, close to two million followers. <laughs> but that's my guy. And uh, yeah, he is one of the one of the few people that kind of when during the pandemic just took it and ran with it. But yeah, you, you make a good point about finding your niche. And I think the pandemic really provided an opportunity for people to see what they can do, especially around podcasting and uh, communicating on their feet. Now a lot of people want to have podcasts now. But what do you think is the one of the bigger opportunities with esports in terms of communications? Because one of the things that um I thought it was fascinating. I was invited to the the 2K League Championships a few years ago, and I remember a gentleman winning MVP. He might have scored 27 points, and of course he's playing a video game. But a lot of old school folks they think that basketball, football is is really what sports is, not video games. And the guy scored 27 points, and they had a con- communications person in front of them with a microphone, and they asked him how he felt after scoring 27 points. And he he reminded he, he acted like he was le- like LeBron. He was like he had a towel around his neck, a Gatorade in his hand, and he was like, "I scored 27 points. I'm really tired." And he, and he said, "Drink your Gatorade." And I'm like, "What is going on here?" So the communications person and the esports arena is now Bob Costas interviewing the player of the esports game. Well, I mean, <laughs> what what is this world coming to? I mean, it's amazing to see the transition of this. Absolutely. How, how do you feel about that? And have you thought about maybe dabbling into esports yourself because of your background in communications? Well, look, every sporting entity needs communications. Mm-hmm. So, for those young people that are in communications and you can't find your niche in the in the primary sports there are some uncommon sports and i use that term in particular because we just had a panel i'm a, i'm a member of the black sports professionals north texas and we just had a panel two days ago mm. you know earlier in september about career opportunities in uncommon sports spaces mm. we also had one that you know about we had uh, a couple months ago about esports. We're going to have one in October that's going to be about blacks in tech. Mm. The whole point is that sports is not, it's, this is not your daddy's sports. Yes. So if you want to get into the sports business, however you want to get in it, whether you want to be a creator on the gaming side, if you want to be in the communication side, if you want to be in the operation side, you want to be in the team ownership side, the team creation side, you want to be on the graphic side. You can take those skills. There's probably a lot of unemployed graphic designers, communications people, marketing people out there. Well, go find an esports team and go market for them. Mm. Go find an esports team and help them get them 
public publicized in the trade magazines or maybe into some more mainstream uh, publications. Mm-hmm. So you can use your skills. If you're a good communications person, if you're a good marketing person, your skills can translate across the board. And esports is an area, and I got to use an analogy. You got to hang in with me on this one, but I'm going to use an analogy. I'm a big wrestling fan. Hmm. I grew up with wrestling. What kind of wrestling? I'm talking WWE, oh, NWA, kind of WCW. You're not talking about Iowa wrestling. You're talking about. No, no, I'm not talking about Greco Roman wrestling. You're talking about the fake stuff. Sports Anyways. entertainment. Get it right. Sports <laughs> entertainment. So, but a lot of people knock it. But if you go into, I've gone to WrestleMania mm-hmm. and you walk down the street, you'll see a person of every color, mm-hmm. every age, mm-hmm. every economic background. It was I was in New Orleans when I got to go to WrestleMania. Mm-hmm. I walked down the street, I would see a grandma that's 75 years old and I would see a Latino couple with a young kid and I would see a, a black family here. You, you would see all different types of people follow it. It is a worldwide sport. Mm-hmm. That's why a lot of these wrestlers, when they get really good, they go over to Japan. They go over to um, Mexico. They go into Canada. They go into so many other parts of the country, of the world. And, you know, maybe Taiwan. they maybe they go to Taiwan, too. <laughs> I don't know. But the point is, is that I use the analogy because esports could probably use some of the marketing tools mm-hmm. that help wrestling get into its mainstream. Mm-hmm. Esports can use some of those same blueprints, I right. should say, to 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 get into that same space. You know, esports have channels now. I I don't have them, but I know they exist. Twenty mm-hmm. four hour channels that's talking about their content, their events here in the Dallas Fort Worth area. We obviously have the esports stadium. Right. And I had one of my high school friends, one of my best friends from high school that I graduated with. He came here not too long ago. He lives in the Austin area. He brought his son up, and they spent, I think, eight hours mm. in their watch. And they were fans. They were not there to compete. He was just bringing his high school son up to spend some time with him, have some good father-son time. And they sat there for eight hours watching this eSports tournament. I didn't go. I'm not one that gets into all of that. But I appreciate what it's doing and what it what it's adding to the sports conversation. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the things I, that that you I want to touch upon what you talked about is that you talked about the the gaming industry, you know, taking its cue possibly from you know WWE, and you're right. I mean, it's a two hundred billion dollar industry. I mean, and a video game industry. Esports represents only seven percent. It's only a sliver of it. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, imagine if some of the executives and marketing from some of the big brands, NBA, NFL, Major League Baseball were to come to the video game space, especially the esports space, and, and, and lend its its knowledge to, to that space, it'll be it'll grow exponentially. I think so. And I think um, you have a point that everything that you do in sports, every career opportunity in sport, as well as that major, any major that you have, whether it's photography, if it's if it's law, you want a law degree, if you want to do physical training or personal training, if you want to do a nutrition, if you do psychology, all of those things can be translated into the video game industry. And a lot of parents, they don't know, a lot of parents are focused on my son and my daughter's playing the game. Oh my goodness, why are they playing the game? It's not yep. about the game, it's about the other things around the video game in terms of getting career opportunities. There's only 88 colleges in the country that actually have a major for video games or even a concentration. Then you have the people that are playing intramural sports for video games. That's about 
2,500, 3,000 colleges. Then you have only 500 colleges that give full scholarships to play varsity esports. You know what I'm saying? So um, I think once parents start to learn the nuances of it and learn the intricacies of the esports, as well as high school kids and middle school kids, and they start to buy into it, and uh, I think it's uh, it's going to be something that we it's, it's not going away. It's definitely not going away. Last year, the top ten sporting events in a whole whole world, six were esports events. Six of the top ten events in in esport and in, in video game industry beyond in video game, the sports, Super Bowl, NBA All Star Game, Major League Baseball, the all every uh, All Star Game in hockey. Esports was six of the ten were esports related events. That's mm-hmm. insane. Now let me ask you a question. So you, even though you are considered. As you talked about, this is not like your parents' sports growing up, and I know that's not something you do every day. When you did, when you were a young person, well, you are young still. When you were a younger Scotty, when you were the younger Scotty, a little Scotty running around, what games did you play? You know, I I, I did have a short time in life, you know, that I was in games because I I go all the way back to Atari sixty four. My brother, who recently passed away he was in the military and he bought me an atari 64 Mm -hmm. and then that that graduated into nintendo Mm -hmm. and you know went you know all the way back with the duck hunk Mm -hmm. and you know going into you know some of the first games i remember playing is double dribble if you remember double dribble tech mobile oh my you know part which all that was pre-mad television atari did you play television yeah we had in television. I had the handheld games too. Oh, you mean the Mattel, the, the, the oh, football yeah. joint? And the I had a, I had a. Ta- I still actually have the actual machine, a tabletop Miss Pac-Man game that's about this size. Wow! So, well, I remember as a kid, one one of the times I, you know, you have a lemonade stand. Right. Well, I did, I upgraded mine, and I had a game playing lemonade stand. Wow! So I had my handheld football games and my racing game and my Miss Pac-Man, and you could play. You had to give me a quarter to play the games and then you could also buy the lemonade too wow scotty the entrepreneur so (laughs) absolutely hey that's that's but that was that was big then right and i got into it and you know went into the the mario brothers and and the uh, and the uh legend of zelda Mm -hmm. you know i kind of stopped you know got to college into the in, in in the early 90s you know, really the Madden. I remember. You know, I you I know you're proud of your fraternity. I'm proud of mine, Kappa Alpha Psi. I remember in the in the frat house, we used to have these epic Madden tournaments. Mm-hmm. You know, we would have a room, and it would be somebody's room, and they're playing a the game, and you would just go write your name on the list, mm-hmm. and there were people in there for hours on end because it was you, you win if you win you stay, yeah. You yeah. lose you get out. Yes. Yeah. So. If you won, and the alphas always won, you know. If you won, <laughs> if you won, you just kept playing. You played two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight games in a row. Yes. You were not getting out of that seat until you lost. Yes. So, but also, in, in, in all fairness, and again, I have to throw this shameless plug to your fraternity and fraternity row at University of Alabama. You have the one of the prettiest fraternity rows in a, in a world. So I know that it didn't matter if you won or lost. You, their fraternity sorority houses are amazing at University of Alabama. And so I just had to give a shout-out. Not a shout-out to your fraternity, but a shout-out to the fraternity road. No, I'm well, kidding. I'm kidding. Well, we're looking to make sure to get our chapter back on in, in one of those houses uh, at oh, Alabama. Oh, you, you guys didn't have a, a – we, uh, we did have a house when I was in school, you know – 
that's a whole nother podcast and a whole nother conversation because okay. my right. time in Alabama was very, very tumultuous as it relates to uh, that. So we can we can we can touch on that one for on, on a whole nother podcast. We can talk about. So Scotty was a pioneer in making sure that people was woke. Okay, yeah. I love to hear that. Well, they we we had a lot of awakening going on in 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 the early nineties. They still got a lot of stuff going on there as it relates to that. So again, we can get into that conversation at another time. We're gonna we're gonna stay on this topic. Yeah, we'll but, stay on this. Topic. I want to remind everyone you're listening to Dr. Mark's Masterclass, Masterclass Podcast, my friends, on MAP Esports Network, powered by Innovation Media Enterprises. Aaron and Sia, my dear friends, get well soon. Gage, man, you're killing it out here with this making me sound so good, even though I haven't done this in a while. And Jacob Miles, thank you for your amazing commitment. And we're here talking to my dear friend, Scotty Rogers. We go back many, many years. He's the Director of Communications at Goodyear, Cotton Bowl Classic. Scotty, tell everybody how they can get in contact with you. What's the best way to reach you? LinkedIn is probably the best place. I'm I'm no, you know, Mark on LinkedIn, but I, I got a few people that follow I me. I get on it LinkedIn. in on LinkedIn. You know, you get in, you get in. But yeah. LinkedIn is a good place. I'm on Twitter as well, but you can reach out to me. You know, um, I'm one of those people as a communications person. I use my platforms to to communicate and connect and and, and move the the conversation forward. You know, for me, I keep my Twitter and my LinkedIn a little bit more, uh, you know, business like. Obviously, LinkedIn and you know where Instagram and and Facebook is personal mm. and uh, more fun, but because that's just how you have to do. Especially when you're a communications person, you have to be careful of everything you say. And that's something I want to say while we're on that point. And I'm gonna talk to all those young folks out there. Make your keep your social media tight. People are getting jobs in this world that we're in right now off of their social media and sitting on a Zoom and talking to somebody because we're dealing we're still dealing with this pandemic. The in-person interviews may be not happening, especially for not especially, but in sometimes for the positions that are that are jun- more junior, mm-hmm. you know, your internships and your entry level position. They're more willing to take a risk off of a Zoom or you know something virtual mm-hmm. and but they're coming but people stop when they see what you're putting up on your social media mm-hmm. i'm not telling you not have fun i'm not telling you don't curse i'm not telling you don't um, touch on you know sensitive topics but be careful and if you did it two years ago three years ago five years ago go find it and delete it mm-hmm. Because how many players have you seen in the NFL or Major League Baseball or National Hockey League that got in trouble for a tweet that they or something that they posted? They're 22, but they posted it when they were 17. Mm-hmm. And you and you need to now. I think that also goes to young people that are also playing video games because they're out there playing with multiple people. Absolutely. And at many times you may say a racial slur or they said something sexist or how, how what do you say to those young people as well? that are doing things currently that might not be doing the right thing in terms of how they're communicating in, in the video game space. You know, it's, it's really the same message. Mm-hmm. You know, they're on that platform on Twitch. I'm not, I've gone on Twitch a little bit, so I don't know everything about it, but if you think that it goes away after you say it, that's not true. Mm-hmm. People said that about Snapchat. Oh yeah, I just snap and nobody ever sees it again. Right. That content is still out there somewhere, right. somehow, some way. Right. may not be easy to get to it, but it's out there. So, when you're playing those video games, and as you know, Mark, in the esports space, you're playing a lot of times with people internationally. Right. You know, and a lot of times these games are happening at all hours of the day and night. Be careful what you say. If that, if your headset is on, your headset is on. Treat that like you would treat that if you're talking to your mama. Right. 
You know, if your mama don't hear, if you don't want your mama to hear you say it, you probably don't need to say it. Mm. Good advice. So <laughs> great advice. You know, I, it, it's just so important because people forget that you get so caught up in this whole thing. And I do think people forget that that space is a place where that can get you in trouble. It can elevate you. It can promote you. It can amplify you in a, in a positive way, but it can it can knock you down in a negative way just that fast. Well, Scotty, we've we've uh, learned so much from you today, and uh, so many nuggets you dropped. I'm honored and proud to be your friend, uh, confidant. And a lot of times, people say, "Yeah, I've known this guy for a long time. I've known you for a minute, and you've always been consistent. You've got integrity. You're a good person. You've always welcomed me in. You always connect me to people. Not everybody does that. Everybody yeah. likes to, to to take advantage of people if they think that you have something going for yourself. Absolutely. And I I just am grateful to to know you as a friend uh, first, more than anything. I don't think. In the times that I've known you, uh, the things that you've done, I don't think I've ever asked you, hey, give me, hook me up, give me something, you know, because yeah. we wouldn't be friends, yeah. obviously. Absolutely. And the same thing, when I remember when I when I got the tickets to go to um, the, the game, the Pelican game, I thought of you first. And, you know, you, I said, this is a brother that's never asked me for a thing. We've always talked about getting together. It was a great time to fellowship with you. And, again, I'm happy that I'm close to you now, living down in this area in Dallas. Absolutely. I'm looking forward to you coming up to Jarvis Christian College to talk to our students about communications and how they should communicate on their feet as well as with their pen uh, a lot of people do not find the value in that but I appreciate all your, your wisdom today your, all your nuggets you, you're talking to you've been listening to I've been talking to my brother Scotty Rogers the director of communications at Goodyear Cotton Bowl Classic tell me again when is the Cotton Bowl Classic uh, championships going on this year Where's it? When, when is it and where is it this year, we are a college playoff semifinal. Our game is on New Year's Eve. We don't know the time yet. We're either going to be middle afternoon or a primetime game, which being a college football playoff semifinal, that means we're going to have either the 1-4 matchup or the 2-3 matchup. So we're going to have two of the top four teams in the country playing at AT&T Stadium. It's going to be a great way to ring in the new year. It's going to be electric. It's going to be exciting. You know, it's our 86th classic. This bowl game has been in this in this community for that's nine decades mm. and the number of people that have played in this game the number of people that have, have enjoyed this game and the number, number of people that support this game is vast in this region and frankly in this country so we're excited anytime we can showcase what we do and what we do best with the Goodyear Cotton Bowl Classic and uh, we want folks to come out buy tickets come to the events you know, hopefully everything will be continue to move forward and we can continue to have a more open environment and get back to what we know is normal in the world, especially in the world of sports and especially around big time sporting events. So like you said at the top of this show, I hope everybody continue to do everything that they need to do in their personal lives to stay safe so that others can be safe so that we can get back to living the way we used to. I could not have ended it much better than that, my dear friend Scotty Rogers, Director of Communications at Goodyear Cotton Bowl Classic. You've been listening to Dr. Mark's Masterclass Podcast on MAP Esports Network, powered by Innovation Media Enterprises. Again, shout out to Aaron and Sia. Thank you for being great producers, great friends. Gage, again, thank you for again for putting on another great show. And Jacob Miles, thank you for this wonderful opportunity that you've given me. And obviously to Jarvis Christian College, I'm always going to sign off. These are the people that pay my bills. That's right. Jarvis Christian College and Hawkins, Texas, HBCU. Thank you, Dr. Newman and Dr. Pruitt for everything you've done for me. And I just want to say again, my friends, 
this right here saves lives, okay? And I happen to get this uh, particular mask, and I think this is uh, one of the masks that will protect you. But use it. Please use the mask, my friends. If you get a chance to do the, the other things that you need to do for yourselves, please do that. Vaccination, again, that's a personal choice, but I advise it. Please do it. I, I, I want to get back to hugging people again and, and not wearing a mask, but we've got to do the work. And remember, you can control three things, what you think, what you do, and what you say. That's it. You can't control anybody else, what you think, what you do, and what you say. And again, if you do those three things, you will go very far in life. Have a great day, my friends. Peace.